Hi everyone and welcome to episode 180 of the Mighty Whites podcast. I'm Jack, as always joined by KC. No. How's things, mate? Uh, not bad. Not bad. Could be worse. I mean... Could be bottom. I suppose it could be worse. But, you know, somehow they're still in charge. The mind boggles. There is no way this level of incompetence should be allowed to stand. It's time to get rid for the good of us all. General election now. Uh, <laughs> also, um, how the fuck is Jesse Marsh still in a job? He's got the full backing of the board. Yeah. I, I, I'm... And they seem to be sincere. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've all been to a game where when you're walking away from the ground, you are certain the manager's going to be sacked. Hmm. Like, you know, you knew, even though I didn't want it to happen, you knew when you walked away from that Spurs game with Bielsa, before it came out on Twitter after, you knew, ah, it's gone here. And you've seen it a few times. I was as sure as I have been about any other time. I was watching that game going, put it this way, I was as sure as I was that Villa were going to sack Gerrard after they got beat. And they haven't, and they've stuck by him. Uh, we'll get into the game in a minute. Do you think they are giving him the Liverpool game because they don't want that to be a new manager's first job? Or do you think that they are sticking with him until at least the World Cup? I mean, I think he makes it to the World Cup. Um, What have you got? Liverpool next, Bournemouth, Wolves in the League Cup, and then Spurs. Yeah. Uh, at the the only if we don't pick up three points against Bournemouth, I think that's the caveat. Like I think if you lose that game, then yeah, they, they'll just do it then. Yeah, I I just I honestly, we said we need four points from Leicester and Fulham, and we got none. And let's be honest, we deserved fucking none as well. Like this. It was awful, but, well, Leeds 2, Fulham 3. We, was it on the, I'm sure that it was on the podcast we said that he might throw something in because he's a bit desperate. And he sort of did. Uh, we'll go through the weird team selection, first of all. First things first, Rodrigo over Bamford. It's something that happened. <laughs> now... Um... Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's sort of similar to the Leicester game in as much as I thought he actually played well, but the, yeah. the, the, the selection itself was just odd. Mm. Um, but yeah, like I suppose it works out. It's just, I'd, I'd love to ask why. Yeah, that was the thing. It was one of them where before the game I was fairly... I was very publicly on our Twitter going how annoyed I was at this selection. I don't think it makes any sense. And I still don't. But I do want to make clear that I actually think Rodrigo played pretty well. And he played like a nine for once. He didn't just drop off the front like he always does. He kept making runs in behind repeatedly all the way through the game. Uh, To be honest, quite a lot of good runs that people just kept turning down passes to. So Mm. he would have been fuming. But he personally did quite well. I still don't agree with the decision to start him over Bamford, though. Uh, Ailing over Christensen, much of a muchness, but I thought Ailing going forward 
we saw a bit more. I don't think it made much difference either way, though. No, it was just strange that, again, kind of what is probably the most, or probably the biggest game of the season so far for us that he's thought, yep, yeah, Luke Ailey, this is this is the time to throw him back in. Yeah, especially and after Christensen had been improved. Yeah, uh, and and again, if the, if the logic is that he didn't want him playing three games in in a week, I, I sort of understand it. But um, yeah, it was it's just a bit of an odd one again. Yeah, and the one that probably uh, in the ground, I can say for certain, this was the one causing the most issues with people. Uh, Sam Greenwood getting the starting centre midfield rather than him playing Matthias Click with Adams out injured. Um, I've not real. I don't particularly think of Click as a deep centre mid. Like I've I've, made, I've talked about that several times, to be honest. But in a game like this, when you need a bit of nous and a bit of experience, hmm. I thought that we would have been... I, I really did think that we would have been better with Click. Like, Greenwood didn't do all wrong, but he didn't do a great deal right either, apart from, like, a dead ball that he put in. Like, the game sort of just passed him by and he just wasn't involved. Everything went through Rocker, which is what you'd expect. He is the more playmakery type. But Greenwood was pretty anonymous for long periods. And, it, I mean, it's a big show of faith in him, and I don't mind that so much. But that's twice that it's all been on the line for him. Or at least we thought it was going in. And he's turned to Sam Greenwood in the middle of midfield. I think that shows how important Sam Greenwood is, that we that we only play him in the biggest games. Don't yeah. worry, can't risk him otherwise. It makes you think, should he be playing him more then? If he, if yeah, he's if, clear... If the two games you've looked at and thought only Sam Greenwood can can start this are final game of the season with relegation on the line and, well, 10 games into the season and potentially your job on the line, get Sam Greenwood in. Yeah. Oh, kind of a Jack Field who needs to stop living in the past, man. You don't get Eddie in and play the kids. You get Mark Jackson in and play the kids. <laughs> uh, Eddie. Eddie doesn't know about Sonny Perkins. Bless him. He does. He'll know everything. To be honest, I like him. the idea. He's a lovely man. Eddie comes in and we've got Matthew Jones, Stephen McPhail, Johnny Woodgate. They're all in the team. Yeah. Um, so the game is set. I mean, I thought that the I thought that the team news uh sort of it looked panicky which we've seen before from him. And a lot of the things on Twitter and stuff like that before the game were, well, he's given himself some rope there. It depends what the result is. And we've got beat. So you definitely can't say it worked, even if each individual player, it wasn't necessarily a problem. Um, but the game itself, we sort of started pretty well. We managed to press well early on. Sinistera won one really high up the pitch. Uh, but the first big chance was still Fulham's, though, because I don't know how we didn't go 1-0 down. Um, stop me if you've heard this one before, KC, but uh, they attacked down one wing, this time the left. right, And they put this ball across, and they had a player stood in acres at the far post. 
I still really want to know what Pascal Strauch's doing in, in, the, in, the, in the final two seconds. He just has this moment of, actually, I'm going to go attack this. But he's already marked. Yeah. I, like, I, know I, I, know, I, I, can't, I couldn't tell you who it is in the middle. I assume it's Liam Cooper that, that's making the challenge when it, before it gets to, to Harrison Reed. But you just, you know, like, where are you going? You watched your man run into the penalty area and then you've just abandoned him. And then you're in between two players. Well, uh, uh, apparently he's got that dog in him. That's all I can say. Uh, <laughs> but no, the uh, I've only just actually been able to get myself around to watching the highlights because I just I watched it in the ground. I didn't want to see it again. And I didn't realise quite how late Pascal Strauch leaves him. It is right at the last second. But what I think it is, is the cross comes in and I think it is Cooper that gets his head on it to flick it on. And I think Strauch has thought that ball has cleared him. So he thinks it's going to be dropping volley height and you're better off getting there before it bounces. But instead, that flick just takes him completely out of the game. But Locker makes an outstanding block. And then Robin Cock does really well to make a last-ditch clearance as well. And you're like, right, there's your let-off. Take advantage. And we actually fucking did. Get down with down the other end. Sinister into Allenson. Allenson, good pass to Harrison. Jack Harrison gets very lucky because he has so much time to get that ball out of his feet and have a shot. And he takes a bad first touch and then a not particularly good second touch as well. So he takes so long that the shot gets blocked. But fortunately, it loops up in air and Rodrigo heads it in. Tosin's is another one where I'm sort of looking at him going, what are you doing? Because he he seems aware that Rodrigo's there and that he's not going to get to the ball. Yeah, he like did, so he a, just kind he did of... like the Schmeichel jump, but without without the arms. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think just before it went in, I, like you just heard me go, oh, for fuck's sake, Leeds. Yes! Like, like it should have been 1-0, but it should have been Harrison that scored. Yeah, uh, he again was pretty ineffective, I thought. He was definitely the worst of the three behind the striker. And again, it was when he was playing on the right. It just it just doesn't suit him. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have expected this to be the case, but he actually looked more comfortable at 10 when he played there than he did on the right. Which I don't think would be the case if he was actually hugging the touchline on the right. It just this just doesn't suit him. Uh, but yeah, one the look. We uh, we've got into this good position, and you always have that thing. And every football fan says it. Right, no stupid now. Do you know what's stupid? Leaving Alexander Mitrovic basically fucking unmarked at a corner about four yards out. I know that he might, if Mitrovic had jumped up and like beat someone in the air just because he's good. And I thought, well, he's hard to defend against. He's a good player. But a bad player could have scored that goal. A, genuinely, a quite good Sunday league striker could have scored that goal. You were marked four yards out. In real time, I thought Melier should have done better, but I've seen it back and he has no time to react. It would have either hit him and gone out or hit him and gone in, and it hit him and went in. The marking is fucking dreadful. 
Yeah, at first I think I was a bit critical of of Rodrigo for following Wilson for the short corner, but I think looking back at it, it would have gone over Rodrigo anyway. So and that of... that will have been quote unquote his man. Yeah, um, and but you just watch it, I, and and you know what? The one thing you kind of have to say is fair fucks. It's what Mitrovic does, but yeah. it just gives Ailing that little shove. And he's and he's away, and it, the the only disappointing thing is that Ailing's not really prepared for it because mm. you know it's what he does. Yeah, I um, say it's not that it's not that he scored a header from a corner; it's how easy we've made it for him to do it. Yeah, that's wound me up. Um, I, I do wonder a little bit whether that's a lack of sharpness on Luke Ailing's part. That's that's kind of caught him out there. Mm. But um, no, it, it's very disappointing because he, he starts slightly off centre, nearer to the front post, little push to Ailing, gets three yards, and then there's just no one near him. Yeah. And it really, when there's so much space, especially when we never leave someone on the halfway line, so you know we've got the bodies back to do it. Yeah. I also don't like that we don't leave people on the halfway line, by the way. I think that's Paul as well. But we just... There is there is no reason with the number of bodies that we have there. There is no reason that there shouldn't be, even if Ailing gets done, someone in front of that. Even if Rodrigo gets pulled out, there's still the bodies there that there should be someone there. It yeah. just, it's just... It, I just think we were set up badly. And, you know, it wasn't the only time. In the second half, Mitrovic had a completely free header, like seven, eight yards. And, you know, there was one that was pulled back along the floor as well. Someone completely unmarked 10 yards out. Uh, And obviously we'll come on to probably the worst example of it shortly. Uh, Rest at half, pretty even. Leeds may maybe edging it slightly, but not by much. But the big chance that rest at half, Leeds have a corner. Full and break. And was it Andreas Pereira? Or was it uh, Paulinho? I think it's Pereira. Yeah, but, but basically, the, the freedom of half of Elland Road to run through one goal. Uh, Melier backs off and backs off and gets his positioning right and makes a very, very good serve. So, as much as... Leeds had done all right in the first half in terms of the game. We played all right. But we had had, we'd had two big chances, but they were both the same move. So it's one. We had had one big chance and scored. Fulham had had three. The Reed one, that break from halfway, and Mitrovic's goal. So even when we were playing okay, we still weren't in a position where you thought, oof, we look like winning this. And then the second and then the second half were worse. Yeah. Um I'm just trying to remember what we did in the second half now. Um well we had we had one re- Bamford came on. Uh I'm trying to I can't get right. one of the exact can, can I say now mm. Patrick Bamford's first touch very much set him up for the afternoon because it was a throw-in into Bamford 
he tried to pass it back and just passed it straight out of play for a throw-in. Yeah, it wasn't very good. And you know what else? I think Somerville, is his took, because he came on at the same time, I've just looked for both 64th minute. Somerville took a minute to, or two to get his first touch, but his first touch was something similar. Mm. It was just really poor. But, you know, you get one out of your system. But yeah, at one all, um, Aronson again picked up the ball, who did have a much, he had a fairly good game, did Aronson. Puts Bamford clean for one goal. He takes a touch that puts it like, it isn't on either of his feet, really. It isn't on his left or his right, his middle, so he has to go outside of his left foot. And it's a pretty good save. It's a really big chance for another one of them where he doesn't have to score that. But he's had so many now and he hasn't scored any of them. And he's just lacking the confidence so badly. The difference between Bamford in this game and Bamford against Arsenal. In both of those games, he missed this one he missed one big chance and the other one obviously he missed two to three, depending on your outlook. The difference is against Arsenal, I thought he was really good and missed chances. In this game, I thought he was pretty crap and missed a big chance. Yeah, I'd, it, yeah. I'd, I'm trying going forward. We we were just all over the place once once we'd made the changes. Um, I, I thought Somerville had a couple of decent touches. He but... drove. He picked up the ball in his own half and drove half the length of the pitch like twice. Mm. Where we beat players and committed men and won a won a foul and so I thought it looked, I mean he put his way there was a few people played that role and he certainly wasn't the worst one like sinister no. sinister played pretty well but then spent like that's another thing on Marsh's on Marsh before I forget Louis Sinister was clearly too injured to play after about thirty five minutes and we took him off in what's the sixty fourth yeah. You've got five subs. You can make a first half change. It's not even a gamble anymore. Yeah, and, and again, you, you've kind of already shown that you've got you've got the faith in Somerville to play. You, you started him against Leicester. Yeah. Um. And and had a, then he had a decent game as well. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I mean, up to this point, we've had that one on one chance and. That Somerville effort from outside the box that went straight to Leno. Yeah, and uh, Rod- uh, before we went off, Rodrigo had a well-struck shot on target, but it was straight at Leno. It mm. wasn't. And they'd had a couple of chances. Not amazing ones, but as good as ours, at least. And then roughly roughly 75 minutes. Big Fulham corner, comes in, cleared away, recycled out to Niskin's Cabana. And there are like two or three Leeds players there, and none of them close him down, and none of them drop off either. So there's just like a, a line of Leeds players not doing anything. He crosses it in behind that line is Bobby Reed, who has in the 18 yard box 10 yards of space. And it's a tough position to score the header from. But you know what makes it a lot easier to score it? If you put zero pressure on him at all. 
and cross comes in, good header into far post, two one down, and you hear that was the moment where you heard the crowd go, right, we're done. Um, that second goal. The, the third goal was probably worse defending in a way, but the second one, looking back, has wound me up something fucking fierce. It's it's the frustration of you have Bamford, Strauch, and another all run out after the clearance to, uh, I think it's Harrison Reed it falls to. He, he passes it wide to Pereira, who took the corner. Mm. And just acres of space to to tee himself up for that cross. Um and then like you say it goes into I've just of... I've just realized I called Pereira Cabano then, you know. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but then yeah, ball goes in, Bobby Reed attacks it. Great header across goal. Um if it doesn't fall to him, Niskins Cabano stood three, four yards behind him, also with a good chance of goal. There was a picture um, going around on Twitter of it, of them two, and there's like a triangle of Leeds players, in a way. Yeah. And just a big gap in the middle, and that's where they're both stood. As you've got, because I think it's Liam Cooper that's in behind Cabano, but I, I, I don't think it's Cooper's job to be trying to cover both of them. Like, I think when that header goes clear, Strauch has to go out to Pereira, Vaguely out to our left hand side, to because we've got three players who all go for the same ball, and one pass takes them all out of the game. Yeah, I mean the bodies were there; they just didn't go to people. There was mm. no communication, and that's the sign of a team that doesn't know what it's doing. And that's the sign of when it's all gone tits up, and it's time for a change of coaching. Even if it's someone that you really like, that's always the sign, stuff like that. That's what I said. If they'd have all dropped off into the box, I'd have thought, well, that's wrong, but at least they're all they're all doing something, they just haven't picked. They've made a decision, but some of them have made the wrong one. But with this, they didn't even make a decision. They just stayed like in a in flux and didn't know where they had no idea what to do. It was like they had decision paralysis. They were just done. It's it's a dreadful piece of play. And then you're 2-1 down at home against Fulham, which, look, Fulham this season, I mean, they'd certainly look better than us. But these are the sort of games you have to get results in. And after that goal went in, we it's not like we looked like equalising. They I... were comfortable. I mean, straight straight after this is then when you have um, what I'm going to start describing as the Neil Warnock substitutions of, okay, now we're losing it. I'll I'll bring a player on immediately yeah. after. And again, it's just so reactionary. So that's that you know that's when Click comes on for for Greenwood, who who again, yeah. very you can't say he had a bad game. Didn't have a good game. Was, no. was six out yeah. of ten. It was, yeah. it was okay. Um, but, you know, you it's it's a big game that you need to be getting a result out of. You can't help but feel that someone like Click is, is the person to put on there, someone with a bit of experience of, of bigger games, someone who's 
as as it goes, the calmest head on the field. Yeah. Uh, the, the... That's that's why I have to assume that the Adams injury news was late. Like really late, because I don't think JB would have played for the 21s the day before if it had known. Because he really might have got this chance. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, it should have been clear. And then, at, I mean, at this point, we're like, what, five minutes left? Fulham are just, they're not, it's not even in a shithouse way. They are just keeping the ball up the pitch and doing it well. Just keeping us at arm's length. They have a throwing in our corner. It's thrown in. Mitch is holding it up. We make a tackle and it falls to Harrison Reed, who's running onto the ball. And he goes past Robin Cock, who just like half dangles a leg out. There's no... I know that you're scared of giving away a penalty in that situation, but you're 2-1 down. You've got to be proactive. And he tackles like a, you know, a nine-year-old that's scared at ball on that one. He just dangles out a leg. There's nothing there. Dribbles through to the byline. Pulls it back to William. I know where the throw-in was. I know the game situation. But we've got sucked across so far that Willian is the free man furthest away from that touchline. And he's at the near post. <laughs> like, like Ailing every, is, everyone's Ailing is yeah, Luke Ailing is further across on the left-hand side of the pitch than Willian is. We're so, we, that is a situation where every team is going to be narrow. But we took it to an extra extreme. Pull back, Willian, basically an open goal. Puts it in, game over, done. Um, I wouldn't even say that it got poisonous, to be honest, the crowd. There was, not by the standards of what you've seen it get like before. You know, the Fulham fans start singing, you're getting sacked in the morning. The South Stand pretty vocally joined in. And by all accounts, there was a decent number in the cop as well. Uh, the the bigger chant that went down that really got going was just, was just chanting, "What the fuck is going on?" Uh, which I quite like as a uh, a rebuke of what you're seeing on the pitch. I actually prefer that to like joining in with Sacked the Morning and stuff. Uh, but. When you're watching the game, when that third goal went in, did you at that moment go, okay, well, that's that then for him? Yeah. And I can't remember if it's the second or third goal. But there's there's a point when he just sort of, he's just, when Jesse's just leaning against the, the dugout, look, looking away and just, you can see, and, and look, there is part of me thing, like, can sympathise with, like, how the fuck do I legislate for that? Like, the, these defensive errors, like, obviously we, we will never know because we don't know what level of of defensive work they, they that goes into stuff like that, but it, it's just the way we just seem to commit so many bodies into that corner. And then, like you say, there's just, Willian's just, Acres of space in the penalty area. Yeah. Like, it's a good assist from Reed, mm. But, like, it's not like he's done something world-class to get into that position. And that's, that's the big problem at the moment. We are so easy to score goals against. We aren't conceding goals to moments of, like, spectacular play. 
yeah, they are mistakes. And that is the, the one argument Marsh has of, well, that bit isn't coaching, that's mistakes. But when they're happening this often, you have to think that there's something above that is causing it. Yeah. Like, how many times, like, I, you see it with loads of managers of it years where, oh, but it's just these individual errors that are causing it, that are costing us in these situations. But I think that these individual efforts are happening because the, the system doesn't really work and because I don't think the players believe in it at all. The fans certainly don't believe in it. Uh, no, I, I, am, I am amazed that he's still in the job. Um, and then the thing, even more than singing that he was getting sacked and singing what the fuck is going on, late on, Joffe wins like a 50-50 battle, through ball, some of those slides in, makes it 3-2. This time last year, if we'd have got a goal back to be 2-3, you'd go down with all the VAR and everything, there was still like two, two and a half minutes left. One goal down. Ellen Road would have been so fucking loud. Everyone on their feet. Come on, we can get a point out of this. Everyone would have been up and the atmosphere would have been amazing. I swear to God, when we scored that goal, people didn't even stand up. They just went, hey, scored. No, even though there was time. I mean, remember, remember fucking, like, remember what happened at the like Blackburn game where we won it 3-2 when we went 2-1 down in like the 89th minute? Mm. You remember the noise? Yeah. The, we, we are not, generally speaking, a fan base that gives up on a game until it's actually over. Every single fan in that ground, if there'd have been five minutes left, they wouldn't have been going, oh, we're gonna, we might get some here. Everyone was just nice. We're not going to get one, so why even get excited? The belief has gone. Yeah. This is also Joe Gellhart who came on straight after their third goal as well. Yeah. So, so again, just a... Get out there for five minutes, see what you can do. And as it as it turns out, he drove up someone. I think he gets a little bit lucky in a challenge, but then he gets the ball back and flicks it through to, to Somerville, who does really well to I think he gets there before Leno to stab it in. Yeah. It's a little bit uh, of a sliding toe poke. In, in yeah. So I was glad to see him get a goal, because uh, Say I, I'm I'm always rooting for Somerville to break through because I've just always rated him. From what I've yeah. seen, of him, I, I think that there's a player in there that's like a genuine quality Premier League player that is in there. There's um, and then again straight after the goal, they make a double sub, and the one I'd never realised before, Carlos Vinicius comes on, who is just he's. Caleb Folan 2.0. He's just massive. <laughs> He's the one that was on loan at Spurs, wasn't he? And got a load of abuse because he did like his full celebration when they scored when he scored against Marine in the FA Cup. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was like, oh, come on, you don't need to do that. But um and the thing you, you knew was coming was they put the big lad out wide. Straight from kickoff, we're going to launch it out towards him. And he held it on the touchline for what felt like 45 seconds. Well, let's they basically, there was that two and a half minutes. And it was in our corner for yeah. nearly all of it. 
Like which is good him to... and Luke Ayling just battling to to not put the ball out of play. Yeah. Um and he just he almost just fell on top of it and held on to it, but at no point was it obstruction. He just he just sort of twisted around with Luke yeah. Ayling in tandem. It was, and... it was just good hold up play in the yeah. corner. <laughs> um full time, a lot of booze. But they were so clearly nice boos because there were boos and then the players walked on the pitch and the players were getting applauded. You know, not rapturous. It was like, mm-hmm. yeah, well word, while you're walking out. But I think that I said this to you after the game when we went for a pint. If you lose a game like that at home, you should be coming away thinking that there's four or five players that you thought played badly. Because, oh, you've thrown that away. God, he must have been crap. And he... But was anyone, like, crap? Like, there was bad moments. But I I thought it seemed so much more like a whole team and system failure than mm. bad individual performances. And yeah. if we'd have been walking away and there was four... Like, remember when we got beat at Brentford in the Championship... And I was doing, it was back when I was do- writing for the website. And I gave Lonergan and Jack Harrison two out of 10 because they were both absolutely terrible. There isn't any of that now. This, we didn't lose this because individually, everyone, these four players played so awful and let the side down. Everyone played okay for the most part. Not good, but okay. And we just didn't look dangerous because we're not dangerous. No, and ultimately, I I just think I, I look at when we go forward and just think, well, Jack Harrison looks his best when he's on the left on the touchline. Like I think that that that's his best role. Aronson has probably looked his best playing on the right, but we kind of don't seem to have really settled on him and Harrison, who plays where, when Sinistera comes in. No, and I mean, Aronson has had good games in the middle as well. Hmm. But uh, going going forward, if we don't score early on, we, look, we, we just look really blunt going forward. Yeah. We don't seem to have a, an out-and-out threat at any point. Like Sinisteria will make some decent runs from deep, but um, you know most of his efforts are coming from outside the penalty area, and I, I just think this t- this team is set up to play with width. Like that's but that's the, the squad. The squad. Got. That's that's yeah. the, you know I think that's the strength of it. Um, I just don't think this. Get it into a good area and hope for chaos. There are games where you are going to end up with Brendan Aronson tackling the goalkeeper in that situation. And when that happens, you're going to have a great chance you're probably going to score. Like, we did create enough chances to win a game against Fulham, but they created enough to win three. Yeah. Uh, and I bet the G numbers weren't even that different. Fulham's all have been better, but not by loads. But it's because we'll have had 
five shots from bad positions. Like, you know, that really good long crossfield ball that Ailey chested down it wide with his left foot. It's a good effort, but it's not really a chance. Rodrigo mm. from wide had one. Uh, that there's a few, we have a lot of those sorts of efforts. So it, the accumulation of it goes up and you end up with an XG that looks like we actually did okay. But clear-cut chances, we just don't make enough of them. And we always... If the team only has two attacks, they'll get one clear-cut chance against us. And you just can't, you just can't go on like that. It's not going to work. And I think we are in serious trouble. So I think we need to change something basically immediately. Yeah, I just... I don't know what else you can change because Marsh doesn't look like he he wants to try something else other than trying a couple of players out in different roles. Mm. And ultimately, yeah, if we are trying to repeat the same thing over and over again, I don't see how this improves. I don't see how we, we improve our performances. Um. Yeah. And whether that's the concern is that if we went to like a narrow four three three, that you lose another element of our attack that's that's not doing a whole lot, but you're still taking away from that. Yeah. Now, if it's still does... na- if it's still narrow, can you press like that if you haven't got that full yeah. body? Um you know, do do you know? Do you gain something by? Do you gain that stability by having Aronson be more of a box to box midfielder, mm. and having Harrison and Sinistera play as tens behind Bamford or something like that? But um, like I, I don't know, but I can't. I don't see what. I don't see anything that he's likely to do to change it. No. Um. I don't really. Obviously, that's that is the Fulham game. Everyone was fuming. Every, as far as I could tell, everyone expected him to go, and he isn't. And he's not. They're not going to do it now. If they were going to do it, they'd have done it at latest yesterday. So it's not happening. Um, we will be back to talk about the Liverpool game later in the week. Yeah, but right now. I mean, the Liverpool game isn't even the one that's important, but because you've lost these two games, you can't look at Liverpool as a free hit now. No. Like, you can go in with no expectation. You have to go in with no expectation. But if we've got if we'd got four points from Leicester and Fulham, you could go in with no expectation and also it didn't matter that much. Mm. You could focus on Bournemouth after. Whereas now we we really need to at least look like we might be able to shit out a point. That, that's it. There's there's nothing about this team now that I, I feel like we could go to a, a tough team and like I don't think we've got the capability to hold out for a point anywhere. No. Um. The only hope is, I suppose, that Liverpool do keep shooting themselves in the foot. Maybe they'll shoot themselves in the foot again. <laughs> Unfortunately, they've not lost at home for it's like 28 games. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's more than a way issue, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so as, as as nice as it was to sit, well, not for us, but you know, as much as you see Forrest getting a win over them, I, I just don't see it happening in back to back games. Uh, we have had another one that I will mention. I wasn't going to go through potential new managers because I don't think there's any point unless we sack him. Uh, so, it just, but Jeffield said, in all seasons, who says no to Corberan if Marsh goes? Familiar with the previous system, knows the players. I mean, the main thing is he's pretty much already signed a deal to be West Brom manager. So he's gone. But the good year that he had at Huddersfield, he went in and did sort of try and play right out from the back and be, be Elsa-ish, and it didn't work at all, and he went to sitting back and counter-attacking, which would probably be all right in our current situation. But, I mean, I'd, I, would I have him over Marsh? Probably. But I don't think he'd be, I don't think he'd be the right guy. Yeah, I just... I in fact, did I just that. say I'd probably have him over Marsh? I definitely would have him over Marsh. <laughs> I, I, I really don't know, no, and I'm not, I'm not looking at lists yet. I, I, I there's think no, kind of, there's no point, is there? Until it, unless it happens, there's no point. Yeah, I, I feel like at this point, unless it's sort of levels of gross incompetence, or I just flat out dislike you. I will try and be as positive as I can. Mm. Because as I've said, I like Jesse. I, I, I think he's a really oh, nice guy. He seems like but, a nice bloke. But the, <laughs> it's also, you know, I'm also fully aware that that's not what we need at all. Yeah. We, you know, we need someone who can win football games for us. Um, so. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um Probably Thursday or Friday, one of the two, whichever works out more convenient for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that will do us for episode 180 of the Mighty White's podcast. I am I am just bereft of any positive thought, to be honest. I think we're in serious shit. And I'm Casey. Yeah, I'll see you in a bit. <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs> <laughs>